Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, and I am joined by the co-host, Challen Rogers. Challen, how are you doing today? Wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. He's I'm, back. A, I'm a little He's gassed, back. but I'm doing great. A little gassed a little from gassed. just school visit today. Um, in Hagersville, place that I've never gone to before. Lovely. How was that? It's it's great. Great, great little school. To be honest, when I was pulling in, I didn't, I thought it was this really, really small building. Um, and it turns out the school was a little bit behind it, but also a very small school, but great, great faculty, great students. And it was, it was a pleasure to be there. Awesome. That is, that is good to hear. Uh, some other good news that you were delivered this week officially, or I guess that was delivered publicly, was that uh, Team Canada has named their 26-player roster for the World Field Lacrosse Championships, which will take place at the end of June in San Diego, California. And the roster will be trimmed down to 23 players, so I read, even though they're at 26 right now. And I guess that gives them a little flexibility if there's an injury or something to one of those guys. But um, your comments, this will be your first field lacrosse inclusion, correct, in Team Canada? Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Thoughts? How do you feel? feel great. It's, uh, it's, it's always an honor when you're, you're able to uh, put on the Canadian jersey and represent your country and, and um, you know, the, the guys that didn't make it. Um, you know, ultimately, see, there's, there's, I don't remember the total amount, but I want to say like 50, 53 guys that tried out. And, um, you know, you just want to represent those guys as well. Uh, you know, they would give anything to be on the team. And, and I was fortunate to, to be named to it. So, um, you know, you want to go there and, and perform. Latrell Harris, younger than you, going yeah. to his second Going to his second Worlds. I'm proud big brother. Yeah. Very proud. It's pretty cool that, uh, you know, we've got two members uh, of the Toronto Rock on this team, two guys that were drafted in the same year, two guys that have been on the podcast here together recently. (laughs) Roommates. Very little to do with some (laughs) of these other things. But um, that's fantastic. So, yeah, so I guess the roster will get trimmed by a few more players, but – um, do you know when you'll actually go out? Like, when do you guys leave? Do you, is it just a couple days before the tournament or is it, has that even been discussed so, as of yet? Yeah, we play, uh, for, uh, for those of us that are in the PLL, we play in Columbus, I think that weekend before. And then, um, so we'll travel after that weekend, to to San Diego, um, mix in a few practices and then, um, Yeah. I think the tournament starts the 21st, I believe, of June. Yes, I think you're right, yeah. And ends, ironically... On Canada Day. Yes, I mean, <laughs> half of the story is already written. Yeah, we just got to put in the work. Yeah, uh, that is pretty cool that, you know, when I did look at the schedule and see that it wrapped up on Canada Day, I was like, that was pretty neat. And, and even when you look at it to think that... Um, you know, it, it would just be a cool trip to go on and, and check things out towards, uh, you know, the end of that week and when the games get, you know, really competitive towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, what a great time to go to California. Yeah. Beautiful San Diego. 
Yes. In Canada Day. <laughs> be a good Canada Day. It would be It'd one be heck of a Canada Day. Yeah. yeah. I can hear the commentators now. It's Canada's Day when you guys win. Wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just it's Canada Day, I guess. But I think it's Canada's Day would be. That's the one. Lock that in. Expertise. If you're a commentator listening to this, yeah, I think that's the one you lock in. It's Canada's day. Maybe throw it out there on Twitter, and then you can get credit for it. I can lock that in now as whoever is doing the commentary. Yeah. I have no idea, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we got some business to take care of at the back end of this program. So right now, let's uh, jump into our first interview. And even though you do in- introduce this guy, when we get into the interview segment, Chad, why don't you tell us <laughs> yeah. who this week's guest is? Well, I kind of introduced him as his nickname that, once again, I created um, <laughs> super randomly. Uh, but we'll be having Chris Weir on. And but, not to give away the nickname. No. But are either of you big enough basketball guys that that's what influenced the name? <laughs> That's exactly what influenced the name. But which one of you guys is the, like, is it because Wearsy loves basketball? Or no, it's, you I, love, I was like, like I, well, I, here's how I came up with it. Okay. Like Chris enough. Weir, it's, it's kind of, to be honest, I actually have no idea. <laughs> it just randomly. <laughs> how did that story even start? No, I don't know. I, so I, here's how I, it goes. I thought actually, I had a story, no story, but <laughs> then I thought about it and there wasn't much of a story. So. Um, yeah, I, we were doing, we are doing, doing Long passing story short, drill. there's no story. Yeah, we were doing a passing drill at, at practice, and then I kind of was like, Chris, Chris stops. Oh, Chris stops for Zingus. Chris stops we're Zingus. Uh, that's the Jimmy how it started. Chris, Chris stops. Chris that's stops. That's good. That's yeah. good. All in, all while we were just throwing the ball around. All, all all this while. happened while you're throwing. It's like one of those random. Can't imagine things. you fit it in there while you're you know playing. you just kind of spit something out and then it just kind of keeps snowball yeah. snowballing. Yeah, no, yeah. that's the correct phrase. Yeah. Well, now you know his nickname. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, without any further ado, let's welcome. I'm still gonna call him number fifty-five, Chris Weir. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with the co-host Challen Rogers. And Challen, you have been on quite a roll booking guests. So who do you have for us this week? Today, we have, hailing from Niagara-on-the-Lake, Kristaps Weirzingis. Or in other words, Chris Weir, number 55 for your Toronto Rock. Welcome to the program, Weirzy. Thank you. Thank you. First time on. Yes, first time on. First time through everything here. Yeah. yeah. No, I was asking him earlier about <clears throat> jumping on the podcast, obviously. And he's like, I've never done a podcast before. What do, what do you do? I'm like, just sit there and chat. It's pretty easy. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yes. Yeah. All right. Where would you like to start, Chal? Um, have you seen the Dosakis commercial? The most interesting man in the world? Yes. And, you know, some would say that's, that's Chris Stops over here. Um, man of, man of few words, which I can relate to. Um, but yeah, I'm just happy we have him on here so we can discuss 
Christoph Swierzingis. There's many layers to peel back here. There are. I feel. There are, yes. Yeah. Yes, there are. Your path in lacrosse, mm-hmm. your hockey career, we'll call it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to start with this, John? Do you want to start with lacrosse? Yeah, let's start go? lacrosse. Right. I have both of those things written down. but Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, no, let's start, let's start lacrosse because you played um, – I'm going to jump right into junior because that's just – you know, Orangeville sure. Connection, Toronto yep. Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, you won in Langley. Yep. Right. Yep. Against Zach another place. Yeah. There you go. Another player on our and team. The Victoria Shamrocks. Yep. Was that your final year of junior? No, that was 2019. So that was my fourth year of junior, and the fifth year would have been 2020. And we all know what happened mm-hmm. uh, for about a year and a half, two years. So. Um, Kind of got robbed of the fifth year, but we were able to play here at the track. Um, that season I played for the Oakville Buzz. Um, so it was nice to kind of get some closure on a junior career, um, finishing out the fifth year. But um, definitely uh, definitely really enjoyed uh, the 2019 season. Did you play all your junior career in No, in so I, I played four years of junior B in Niagara-on-the-Lake. And... Uh, Two of those four years, I was called up to the Junior A team in Orangeville um, and played throughout the playoffs. Uh, in 2018, uh, we made the Ontario Finals and lost to uh, Brampton in the finals. And then 2019, same thing. I think I ended up playing uh, six games during the season as an AP player. And then, um, again, throughout all the playoffs in Ontario and then out west uh, in the Minto Cup. How did you end up with the Northmen? Because Niagara on the Lake to Orangeville, not two centers that traditionally have a really great relationship either. How yeah. did you end up getting, I guess, discovered by Bruce Codd and crew? Um, so I think it was playing junior B because Brucey, he was the junior B coach in Orangeville um, when I played in Niagara on the Lake. And I think that's kind of how he was, he uh, found out about me. Um, yeah, like you said, it is kind of an interesting uh, relationship. There are, I don't know, three or four junior teams that are closer, junior A teams that are closer to home. Um, but yeah, it was Orangeville was kind of the, the first one to reach out. I wasn't drafted, so no one really had my rights. Orangeville was the first one that reached out to me, and uh, I said yes, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What was junior B lacrosse like for Niagara on the Lake? We were, we were pretty good. My first year, um, I think we finished first in our division, uh, which included Six Nations. And that was when, I think that season, 2016, I think it was, they were going for their fifth Founders Cup in a row, I believe. Um, And we finished first in the division. I think we were the first team to beat them uh, in the regular season in three or four years. Uh, We also tied them that season, but finished first in the division. I think we um, lost in the second round to Windsor, but um, it was definitely... Definitely a fun experience playing with, you know, the guys you grow up playing with um, in your local hometown team. Uh, there's nothing really better than that and representing your own, your own hometown. Were there any other players that you played with uh, in Niagara on the Lake that are now still playing? Or- yeah, so there's uh, the Wagner brothers, Johnny and Ryan. Ryan's with Philadelphia, and uh, Johnny's with Vegas now. And Hunter Lemieux, he's also with Philadelphia. He's my age. Um, and both Johnny and Ryan are a couple years older than me. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Now, when you were in Niagara on the Lake playing junior, was there any Kilgore connection at that time? or uh, Not for the junior team, but uh, Darius Kilgore, his son, Kyler, um, he was a year older than me. And so every other year we'd play each other, or play with each other, sorry, um, growing up in, in minor. And I think a year or two, Darius was actually our coach. Um, I don't know, Pee Wee Bantam age, he was, um, he was our coach, so it was... Um, it's kind of cool to have a, you know, the NLL connection to to our team and to the to the town. So, I mean, we don't want to jump too far ahead out of junior and everything, but I'm guessing was there more Buffalo Bandits fandom in your youth growing up than there was perhaps Toronto Rock? Yeah, I think <laughs> I would say growing up, we would not necessarily huge fans, but. Um, we definitely went to more Bandits games, just kind of proximity, and it's kind of easier to go to Buffalo. Kind of hurts saying that now, but um, <laughs> but uh, we would definitely we'd come to Toronto Rock games at the oh I guess at the time it would have been the ACC. Yep. Um, they're all, always fun experiences. It's always like Buffalo. We were talking like it's kind of a it's a cool atmosphere. They they get a good fan base fan base there. So yeah. Um, yeah. Who's the other? There's a picture in the Buffalo hallway. Is that Troy? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, Troy, that's right? Troy. He found himself in one of the pictures. <laughs> I guess he had season tickets growing up. Yeah. Oh, the, really? The you didn't know yeah. that? No. What is the picture of? It's just like, like I think it's just a like, yeah, the bench. bench. And then it captures some of the crowd, and he, he was able to find his, uh, his family in the background. <laughs> just a young Troy. Well, we know what we're looking for then Saturday at the arena. Oh yeah, to get a photo of this and maybe to get Troy in front of the yeah. photo, photo with the photo. Yeah, all right, great tidbit. Yeah, there way you to go. think that one yeah. out, Chal. Oh. <laughs> that is a deep cut. That's great. That is great. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. So back to I want to go back to the Minto Cup experience because um, you know from going from Niagara on the Lake Junior B, I mean. Was even playing junior A, like, was that a goal of yours all along? Was it a bit of a surprise when you got the call? And and just even, you know, was the Minto Cup ever something that was on your radar? Because I know, you know, myself anyways, like, you know, I've run a junior B team in Halton Hills for a long time. And all the kids grow mm-hmm. up in Halton Hills thinking they want to win the Founders Cup, mm-hmm. right? And the Minto Cup is not always something that's on their radar unless they had family, friends, that kind of thing tied into it. It's always the Founders Cup. So, what was your mindset really when you were going through junior? Was the Minto Cup even, you know, a pipe dream at all? Um, yeah, I would say like more so founders because it's like growing up in a junior B center. Um, but with St. Catharines kind of close by, there was kind of like some knowledge of, of the Minto Cup. Um, I know a couple people older than me um, that um, played junior A. So um, it was kind of on the radar, but maybe not necessarily like actually playing junior A and, and actually winning it. Um, and it was actually um, first year, or no, sorry, second year, I think junior B um, is when I got the call from, uh, it was actually Bob Cleveland. He was the GM of Orange at the time. And uh, I think that was kind of when it kind of clicked or kind of started to um, come a reality, I guess, to yeah. move up to junior A and then ultimately like compete for a Minto Cup. So you've had kind of, um, I guess, parallel 
careers to some respect going on here with um, professional lacrosse, but then also officiating high level major junior hockey here in Ontario. Yep. And you're in your second year now as a linesman in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Um, you're what, just 23 years old. Yep. Uh, you're probably not at the point where you have to choose anything. But before we get there, um, you know, when did you start officiating? And, uh, you know, again, take us through this path to the OHL. Yeah, so uh, growing up, I played AAA in Niagara Falls. And then um, second year Bantam, uh, they were getting rid of AAA in Niagara Falls and moving down to AA. Um, so that season, I guess, going into um, – first year midget um, I tried out in St. Catharines for AAA and didn't make the team so I just decided to go back to Niagara Lake and play my last three years of hockey um, hockey there um, and that was when I got into officiating so I think I just finished uh, my eighth year refing hockey and uh, like you said second year in the OHL and OHA which is junior B junior C hockey in Ontario um, and yeah it was just kind of like a progression you start start at the lower levels you tyke novice you saturday mornings early early saturday mornings you do the do the little guys out in the morning skate in the freezing cold <laughs> arena in the middle of december but um that's kind of where you where you start and then you you eventually move up through the ranks you level two level three official uh you start doing more three official system where you're where you're the referee and linesman um and then yeah moving up and um you kind of get noticed i guess um it it does help having connections to to the league so that was kind of how i got into into the oha and the ohl is kind of through older officials that were my supervisors that kind of passed along my name and information to um the referee and chiefs for those leagues and eventually i uh, i was able to get into both those leagues so at what point if you're in your officiating career you know, if you want to get into an East Coast league, an American Hockey League, is there a point in time where you may have to relocate to pursue that? Because I know I feel like there's been some guys, uh, you know, either in the East Coast League or whatever that have been from up here. And I feel like they end up relocating to the U.S. to kind of, you know, officiate in a certain area or zone or whatever. Is that something that's potentially on the horizon for you or is that way down the road? Um, that's kind of a little bit down the road for me as a linesman, um, especially in the ECHL and the AHL, they tend to use local officials. Um, the referees will travel a bit more, but the linesmen usually stay more local. So I guess around here, it'd be the Toronto Marlies, um, ECHL team, not sure where the closest is, but, um, they tend to use more local officials for, for the more minor leagues. And then definitely if you make, if you make the NHL, you're, um, most likely relocating to, I guess, could really be anywhere in North America, really, across the States or Canada. So is this something that is a long-term goal of yours? Or I um, guess I'm not telling – I'm not asking if you have to choose <laughs> pro lacrosse <laughs> or perhaps officiating pro hockey at right. this time. But, you know, is getting to that level, uh, is that the ultimate goal? Is this something you're going to stick with and pursue as long as you can? Um, I definitely want to stick – to it as long as I can and if that's I guess it, I wouldn't call it the ultimate goal but it definitely is something that if if the opportunity did come up to be a full-time um, official that I would definitely consider it um, 
and I think it would be a tough, tough choice. Obviously, um, you'd make enough money to make a living uh, just doing that. And with playing lacrosse, you need you need a second job. So um, it would be a tough decision for me. I think um, you know you play lacrosse growing up. It's kind of pretty cool to say you're a professional lacrosse player. But mm-hmm. um, I think it would be it would be a tough tough decision for me if uh, if I had to one day choose. How have you been balancing everything right now? Even just, you know, your first couple of years in the NLL and first couple of years in the O, I'm sure it's been a bit of a balancing act here. <laughs> yeah, so um, with, with officiating, it's, it's kind of, you can kind of set your own schedule. We have a, a program on, on the internet um, that we go in and put our availability in. So um, I'm just available whenever I can. Like for minor hockey, I can tend to do more games during the day, um, whether it's high school or um minor hockey um and then for the ohl and the oha it's mostly thursdays through sundays um so obviously once the lacrosse season starts and we start into games it's it's kind of tough when you're on the road friday through sunday or that whole weekend is usually out um so i'm just available whenever i can be um if we have a home game in hamilton it's um you know friday night i can do a game or uh, sunday afternoon so just being well, that's a- what I wanted to ask you about, actually, because Bruce Codd, I think, sent me a summary for a Friday night OHL game in Hamilton, yep. and then we played the next night at home. Yeah, I think Hamilton. So one night, maybe the, they were booing you yep. Yep. <laughs> on Friday night, and the next night they were cheering you. Like, yep. what was that like? Yeah, it was kind of weird, like, playing or playing the night after a game, like, yeah. um, refing there. Um, it was definitely a different experience. Like, um, they don't exactly fill the lower bowl there so it is it is kind of a weird feeling to be um, to be on the other side of it not playing um i think they were playing niagara the ice dogs that night the friday night um and then yeah the next night home home uh, lacrosse game Are are there any like uh refs or other linesmen that like i assume that you get to see who you're officiating with lining with yep are there any guys in the league who are just like you see their name and you're like, ah, I'm with Bill, or I don't know some random guy, or just like I do not like being with them. No, maybe they're just bad refs or something. Um, no, I'm not the type of person to <laughs> kind of be upset about who I'm with. I, I enjoy refing and I enjoy the guys that I do it with. Um, I think I always look forward to meeting the meeting the crew and before the game and you know we talk about we usually end up talking about lacrosse that's kind of um a subject that gets brought up a lot and then obviously we talk about the game but um most of the guys are very very fun to fun to work with isn't there even some more crossover here with brent colombe yes who is an nll referee but also referees in the ohl right that have you done ohl games with him yep yeah, I've this done, year? Yep, done a handful <laughs> with them. Yep. Like that? Is that a little awkward at all? Or do you uh, guys have a good relationship? No, we have a good relationship. <laughs> He's He lives in St. Catherine. So, um, and like he refed our junior games like growing up. I'm yeah. sure he did a couple of my minor games too. So it is a little bit different because at that point I didn't really know him. And then uh, when I started in the OHL, we kind of got to uh, know each other a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it, I guess it was a little bit awkward at first, but. Um, we're used to it now, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys end up 
talking more lacrosse or more hockey when you're together? Uh, I think more lacrosse probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. That's a weird dynamic. I mean, that's whole thing of, you know, there's not many degrees of separation here in your lacrosse and hockey world. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. They, they're intertwined uh, pretty closely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess flashing back to lacrosse, um, talked a lot about hockey. You got drafted in 2020. Correct. What round? Uh, fourth round. What pick? Uh, 62. It's pretty cool. I know that. Um, <clears throat> how has the experience from your first year, your rookie year, into this second year of yours been different? Um, Maybe easier. Anything? Yeah. Uh, well, this year, definitely not getting injured and playing more games was definitely, um, definitely better than last season. Um, but I think just coming into um, training camp this year, just being more comfortable around teammates and players just kind of made made it easier. Um, you know, first year, you're always kind of a little bit nervous meeting everyone. They're new faces, new coaches. Well, I knew, knew Rusty and Brucey, but um, new coaches, new systems, whatever. It's kind of you don't really know what to expect. But then um, once you second year, third year on, you kind of get more comfortable. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just wondering. No, it's good. I mean, it is an interest. I mean, when you talk about connections, right, like between, you know, you've got your, your hockey and lacrosse career kind of overlap and then even, you know, junior lacrosse in the, in the pro lacrosse. But um, I want to ask you a question about this guy right here because a couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks, I guess more so last week, actually, with Manson, we talked about challenge pregame speeches right so you've been Mm -hmm. around for a couple years around him now we talked about how you know sometimes in the beginning he was taking notes and stuff like that and making sure he was hitting on his bullet points are there any particular speeches or anything over your two years that you said this one got me going tonight chal uh to be honest i don't really remember too (laughs) too much of what he says in them you're not dialed Um, into the the huddle all right dialed in but i don't know it just sticks in the moment and then you're ready to go i guess yeah. i don't know right. i think they're all good thanks chris you're welcome right. <laughs> <laughs> that's good so we're going into bandit land here this weekend this is a, a massive game and uh you know it, it's one of those situations right now you've been in and out of the lineup recently how are you dealing with that like you know still cutting your teeth in the league as a young guy and and dealing with really having to be ready when it is your time to go into the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I guess nothing really changes whether I'm in the lineup or not. You still prepare the same way. You still, um, I guess, tackle each day the same way. Like practice tonight here. Like um, just, I guess, business as usual. Yeah. Um, and yeah, exactly. Be ready when when your number's called and be ready to step up. Speaking of when you had your number called, was there a Welcome to the NLL moment, you know, when you first realized, wow, I've made it to the professional lacrosse ranks and playing for the Toronto Rock. Uh, I guess, like, I haven't really reflected on that um, much, but I guess now now that you asked me, I guess the moment would be, I guess, scoring my first goal and on my first shot in my first game. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it was one of the four games I played last year in front of no fans at home. Right. So right. I didn't have – my parents weren't there, family wasn't there, and it was hey, – The boys were there. We were yeah, the boys were there. So that was, that was the good part. But 
Um, definitely a little bit weird playing in front of empty buildings for your first uh, first couple games in the in the NLL, but. It, it feels like that was forever ago. It does. Eh? It does, yeah. Like forever and ever. Like we haven't really talked a ton about that, even on the podcast in general, just what it was like in that experience. And obviously we never want to go back there again, but was there anything that was, I, I, I'm, I guess the answer is probably going to be no, but is there anything that you fondly remember about that? Like, you know what I mean? Anything positive that you were ever like, oh, it's kind of cool because of this or that. I mean, I'm guessing the answer is probably no, but. Nothing that jumps out at either of you guys. No, uh, it was a time we all want to forget, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We kind time. of almost have forgotten it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's certainly a forgettable period of time. I feel like every day just kind of blended into one another. And yeah, I mean, I was living with half the team at that point, so for us, it was just kind of <laughs> business as usual outside of that house. Yeah, yeah. Where's he? Yeah, not really. Like. Like you said, they just kind of, the days kind of blended together. And next thing you know, it's months start blending yeah. together. And, <laughs> and then we're kind of back to normal, uh, thankfully, fairly quick. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry to jump around again here, but as far as the OHL and junior hockey goes right now, um, it's either deep into the playoffs now, right? Or, yep. or kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, the OHL, they're in the, into the second round now. Um, and for the OHA, the Junior B League is in the Sutherland Cup uh, playoffs, the round robin, I guess, for the final Sutherland Cup championship. Um, yeah, so they're uh, they're starting to wind down as well. So when will you still referee any more OHL games? Or uh, you... no, not not this year. Um, hopefully next year. Hopefully they want me back. Did you get any um, playoff games in the no, first no, shot? No, not this year. Not yet. No. Um, okay. They use. I think I want to say there's fifty to sixty. Uh, linesmen lines people lines is uh two women now which is oh wow okay yeah which is uh i guess it's good for growing the game yeah. too um so i think they cut it in about half uh, to about 25 to 30 um and kind of the same thing they kind of keep keep local so um if ottawa makes a playoffs which they finish first in the league this year though they'll, they'll keep a couple um officials from out there so like they, they aren't traveling as much yeah mm-hmm. all right that's interesting. I mean, that's got to be a bit of a battle within itself, right? Just to know that, you know, you're being evaluated kind of all the time. And, yep. you know, especially when you know there's probably certain more influential characters in the crowd and stuff like that, that you know you got to be on your yeah. game that night. Yeah, exactly. Um, like we see, we comes up on our uh, schedule who or when, who and when um, we're getting supervised by. Um, and, yeah, you're always kind of under uh, – under evaluation getting assessed um usually i think they tend to do it at the beginning of the year and then um maybe a couple times in the middle and then near the end of the season too when they're um, trying to finalize their uh, playoff rosters and and to make sure you're kind of growing as an official like um, beginning of the season they tell you some stuff to work on and um hopefully it gets through to you and you carry it over to throughout the season now when you're a linesman is it that you're eventually hoping to become a referee or is the linesman you're like, no, I want to continue to be a linesman and get to that next level as a linesman. How does that progression work? Uh, yeah, there's definitely in the OHL, there's definitely guys that start out as linesmen and then work, work up to a uh, referee. Um, for me, it's, I guess I'm happy doing the lines right now. Um, 
I guess eventually if they want me to be a referee, become a referee, I guess I, I could entertain the thought, but hmm. um, I think right now I'm just happy doing the lines. <laughs> <laughs> a little less pressure, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the referees, they talk to the coaches when they're yelling and screaming. And yeah. Or, yeah, and always the fans usually. They're usually yelling yeah, at the referee. They're usually the yelling at the referee, yeah. not the linesman. So yeah. you got to break up fights, too, don't you? Yep. Yeah, yeah lines are going to have to break up fights. Yeah. That's one thing I, I think I love about just kind of watching hockey more so live when the linesmen just come out of absolutely nowhere, just coming in so hot and then yeah. slam on the brakes and they're just like, no, this isn't happening. Exactly. Yeah, there's a play at the net or whatever, goalie freezes it, and you, you got to be in there quick or else, I don't know, you take an extra slash at a guy or. An extra poke at the puck when the goalie's got it covered, and uh, you never really know what could what could happen. So you, you want to get in there quick and try and defuse the situation as quick as possible. When yeah. you're trying to break up a fight, like have you even this year, last year in the OHL so far, caught a misdirected punch at all? I was just or? gonna ask him. Yeah. No, thankfully I haven't yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen videos of of officials getting getting yeah. hit with a with a punch or, or a stick or something. But no, thankfully. Thankfully, I haven't uh, haven't caught one yet. Now, as a linesman, sorry to keep going in all all this no, hockey no, talk, but I, I'm always curious too. Like, if you're a referee, linesman, an official, do you have? Would it be like you know who are your mentors or who are you looking up to, right? Because as a player, it's always like, oh, I watch this guy play. I want to play like him, right? Mm-hmm. Are there linesmen where you're like? I watched this linesman. I want to call the game like him. Or is it more the guys you worked with and like mentor you? Do they kind of become more your role models more so than somebody you've watched from afar, I guess? Yeah. More so the guys that I've worked with, um, the more senior officials They're they're always good to the younger, younger officials, giving them pointers and tips to improve your, improve your game. Um, so more so you don't have posters of like Wes McCauley and Dan O'Halloran on your wall. No, 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 no. All right. I thought that was interesting. I, I was like, you know, do you do you look up to other guys? And I don't know, I guess it depends how hardcore you wanted to be an yeah. official no. when you were growing it, up. But it's definitely kind of funny to see some of the clips that uh, Wes McCauley has when, yes. when he's calling out penalties and stuff. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yes, he's – anyways, we, we can talk more about that after. Um, but anyways, anything else for Weirsy here? No, I think I'm good. That was right. very – very interesting. It was good. We got to we got to peel back a few layers. Yep. Good. If, to know if, a little better. You no, know, if any of the teammates are listening, this may be the most they've ever heard Chris <laughs> Weir talk. See, that's yeah. what I kind of kept hearing is that, that you're a pretty quiet guy. But yeah. when he does talk, he's usually throwing out bangers and people are <laughs> laughing. That's what I've heard because he, <clears throat> I mean, where's he drives with? Smallsy and Brad to practice. And, and TD. And TD Don't forget on, TD. A, oh. on occasion, TD. And that's what I've heard from them. So it's just, it's great. And that's obviously what I hear when I'm around them. Yep. Of those four, I'm guessing TD does most of the talking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> College lacrosse. Yeah. Yep. College lacrosse, usually. <laughs> I feel like there's probably like a, a whole lot of small problems TD encountered getting from wherever he started to meeting up with you guys that I feel like he's probably just like got to tell you guys everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You never know. He could hit traffic. He can get stuck <laughs> at the border. There's, there's 
a whole bunch he could encounter on his And they become like way. larger issues. I feel like yeah. I'm painting this picture where TD is just like everything's everything's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There we go. Another thing that, I mean, from Fan Appreciation Night, I'm sure we'll talk about it after. But so I was after Chris um, <laughs> in the autograph line. And okay. uh, <laughs> well, it's so one comes down and obviously you see everyone who signs it before you. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, Chris Weir, CW55, right? Very similar to Latrell's signature of just LH93. Right. And then, you know, maybe like 30, 40 minutes go by, and then I'm signing another thing, and now it's Chris Weir, 55. (laughs) And then, wait, and then the the very next one was CW55. Oh, so you just throw all right. Over. Explain yourself. Well, um, my t- my signature is kind of tough. It's not very great. Um, guys were saying I should practice a little more. And, um, I think I I think I agree with them. It is uh, it could use some work. Yeah. Well, you should have got a ton of work. The autograph session was about two and a half hours. Yeah, I, right? I got you a got ton a of practice there. Yeah. Ton of practice there. Yeah. How many people do you guys estimate went through? I mean, not that I know the number here or anything. I'm just thinking time-wise and how big the crowd was. I kind of got a ballpark number in my head, but I'm not sure. What do you What do you guys think? I don't know. Like, like you said, I think it was two, two and a half hours. We were sitting there. Like, I, I fifteen hundred. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's a lot. Maybe it's not a lot. Earlier, I said like five thousand when yeah, we were there, but that was no, that was like two. That was you know sitting there for two and a half yeah. hours when we were there. It maybe felt like five thousand. Yeah, yeah. But you know, reflecting, fifteen hundred ish. Yeah, that's kind of where I thought it was somewhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand. That's definitely the longest one we've done ever. Yeah, yeah. With while I've been here. Yeah, I think that since I've been around twenty eleven. Yeah, I think that's probably been the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Well, that's sure. a good thing too. It means. Like, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, like, how awesome is that? The people waited around Mm -hmm. for two hours, didn't bail, (laughs) waited to get your guys' autograph. Whether it was Chris Weir or CW, they waited (laughs) for that signature. They waited for the signature, yeah. Yeah, we were were saying, like, we were kind of surprised at how many people stayed that long to to go through the line and get our autographs. Mm -hmm. People people didn't even watch the fourth quarter. They were just in line. Yeah. There were, and I mean, that's tend to happen in the past because it, it did look, it was weird. Like midway through the fourth quarter, there were a lot of people leaving. And, you know, a lot of times I think some people have thought, oh, wow, like people are bailing the game. They think the game's over or whatever, but then they forget that it's autograph night. And people who've been there before know it's probably best to. <laughs> On the contrary to that, the very last person uh, who went through, second year in a row, they were the very last person. They have the different strategy of just chilling, sitting down, waiting for the line to diminish, and then just jump out, jump on in. So they're not standing. They're just waiting. Do you know this person or you got to know them well, because they were the last person? Well, it's the Sauciers, if I say that correctly. Okay. But Jonas, Jonas right. Sauce. We call him Sauce. He's just a little beauty from Whippy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bernsey coaches him. Ah, okay. Yeah. So there's a... Close connection. All yeah, right. but back, yeah, back to back years, last, last in line. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Like you're gonna wait till twelve thirty to yeah rip through, and then you have to rip back to Whippy or 
That yeah, area. probably an hour and a half drive home. Yeah, yeah. it's just dedication. It's, I love it. It's great. It's great. It's a good story. Thank nice you. Little cherry on top of yeah. an appreciation night yeah. and the autograph session. Maybe it'll get cut. Maybe it'll stay on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wersey. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. And, uh, you know, we look forward to doing this again soon. And, for sure. Uh, thanks good for luck having the rest you. of the way. Thank you. Thanks, Wersey. You're welcome, Charles. It was a pleasure having you on it here was, today. It was fun to be on. Me and Wersey had a day today. Yeah. <laughs> Are we restarting the interview? What was the day? What, no, we had a school program. Out oh, in, out okay. in Hagersville. Hagersville, yeah. First, nice. first school visit today, first podcast appearance. So It's a day first for Chris Stops. Yeah. That's excellent. Butter wanted me to do a practice report after, but I said, I think we should save it, <laughs> save it for another time. All right. Yeah. I'm going to leave a little uh, mystery yeah. <laughs> on the table. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll save everything else for the next appearance here. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us again. Uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. Sounds good. All right. That was Chris Weir, defender with the Toronto rock. We'll take a short break here on Toronto rock total access and wrap it up in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Along with Talon Rogers, we're here to wrap this up. We have to thank Christops Weirzingus. I blew his nickname. Christops Weirzingus, who was just on the program. And uh, it was great. Like you said, we peeled back the layers on Weirzy, and we got to know him a lot better. Yeah. No, I I love hearing his kind of story about, um, you know, getting into officiating and lining. It's just some I don't think I know someone that's ever really kind of done that route. So and he's a teammate, so it's very interesting. Ah, it's beautiful. All right. Well, this is the time where we dig into the listener mailbag and we dug way down to find this question that uh actually this fan went through the lineup at uh autograph night on Saturday and had a conversation with Challen and, and in this email it says he's a big fan of the podcast, like legitimately. Yeah, Listen he said I was regularly. doing a great job. Wow. He was pumping my tires. I was That's great. Fired up when he said that. <laughs> did anybody else? Before we get into this, did anybody else mention anything about listening to the podcast on fan appreciation? Right? Yeah, yeah, a few people mentioned it. That's good. Yeah, all right, let's go. We're growing. <laughs> I told every single person to send in fan mail, so that's why we have so many. Oh wow, great um, job! Yeah, there was a pile of it this week. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, so this question, the one person that we selected this week, uh, comes from Brad and he says, we see some of this through the videos posted on social, but what does a typical Tuesday night practice look like? Also outside of the video sessions, do the out of market players typically get on a floor to throw the ball around or do they just rely on the game day practices and shoot arounds? Good question. There's multi-parts in there. There's another really good question that he's got, too, that we'll throw in here after that. But let's start with this. All right. Um, typical Tuesday practice. Uh, usually they're they're longer at the beginning of the year than they are kind of later on, um, you know, just kind of fine-tuning things. But to be honest, they're usually always the same kind of length. Um, but, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of flow drills getting up and down, um, you know, getting our legs underneath us. We're – no secret, we love pushing the ball in transition, and, and you kind of witness that if you were to watch our practice. We do a lot of transition and decision-making in transition, and um, then we kind of slow it down to kind of offense-defense, settled stuff, going over system, 
um, system stuff and and then uh, yeah you sprinkle some other things here and there and that's a typical Tuesday practice going on to the next question the out-of-market guys uh, I see Tom well he has this one buddy who went to Loyola who's a goalie um, who, who Tom got a bunch of extra gear from from Rosie brought it down there his name's Jack Runkle uh, and I know that Tom shoots on him a lot. And uh, I saw a video of Tom the other day shooting um, with uh, Elevate. Um, what are they called? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question because I think everybody does this with their hands and goes, yeah. I don't know what they're called. Are they just they're shooting like, dummies? Yeah, like, shooting dummies. They're sure. like blown up shooting dummies yeah. and the blown up kind of shooting uh, goalie as well. Um, but yeah, he. And I know that the net that he shoots on is also like a minor net. So he's no wonder he can just snipe corners like <laughs> no one else. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's that. Okay. So the next question, which I think is really interesting, and I cannot wait to hear your answer to this. Great. What current rock player do you most likely see coaching in the NLL when they retire? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, off the top of my head, uh, I'd like to say Keo, Keo or Adam. Adam's good with the kids. I've kind of been around him to watch him, uh, kind of coach and, and, um, you know, become more confident as a coach. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like Keo has that kind of coach in him, you know, um, yeah. very motivational, stern um you know good with kids and yeah i feel like he would be kind of built for that nll coaching style i think it is like you're saying actually when you say stern i think um what comes to mind with when you say that is just when you know that there's a teammate that holds himself maybe at just as accountable as he holds his teammates kind of thing or he's just as accountable to his teammates as he is to himself kind of thing and it seems like from what I've seen anyways, more so in the documentary, when Stephen Keogh gets up and speaks, he has a lot of, you know, good things to say of like, you know, rallying the guys together and whatnot. Um, the other guy that actually I'm surprised didn't come out on the short list there was Dan Dawson. Yeah. To be honest, as soon as I rifled off those names and you started talking, <laughs> I was like, oh. I also kind of hoped guy. you didn't say Dan Dawson because I felt like maybe that's kind of yeah, the, and the I, easiest one to pick off. But To be honest, I feel like Dan wants to kind of do something um, more kind of player, like individual player, rather than kind of coach a team, I think. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to have him on. And I'm going to write that down. So we ask him. <laughs> so like he would maybe just become like an individual skills coach to pro players, because yeah. that's something that's evolved at the NHL level and in other sports, right? Is some guys have just hired basically like personal coaches beyond like a personal trainer, but guys who are like skills coaches, like 100%. Uh, Adam Oates, I think is one that comes to, to mind immediately mm -hmm. that he's like a skills guru in the NHL. You think that, I and could be one of the first I, of that kind. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right, there we yeah. go. We're coming up with great stuff here. I think that's what he wants to do. All right. <laughs> we have locked Dan into his post-playing career. Skills coach to the stars. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You like seeing golf, too. Like, you have your putting coach and, I don't know, your iron coach and yeah. driver, maybe. 
mental coach, you got it. You can get everything. And Dan can do it all. He can. <laughs> I would hire him. I'll be his first client if he decides to go into that. I was just going to ask you, is this something, now that we're talking about this, would you ever consider doing anything like that or hiring, like you say, a mental coach or a, you know, a sports psychologist or anything like that? Not currently. Yeah. No. But I mean, like, yeah, to go over things, I don't think I need to hire someone because, you know, I can walk down the hall to talk to Maddie, call Rusty. I could sit with Doss, sit with Colin and kind of go over things. But, um, yeah, I don't think I, I have very it's good resources. It's a really resources. interesting – I know what you're saying. I absolutely agree with what you're saying too. But it, it is an interesting dynamic when you talk about a skills coach that could be outside the organization and what that relationship even could be like with your current coaches if you know like, hey, oh, why is this guy going outside and hiring a skills – like why are they grabbing somebody from outside of the – it's it's an interesting dynamic. Not so, uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, not a bridge that we've necessarily crossed here in the NLL yet, but – It'll come one day. Yeah, 100%. Right? So it's kind of interesting. All right, well, we've uh, let's talk a little bit about the game coming up Saturday night. We haven't done that too much on this program yet, and I know some recent listeners to the podcast uh, actually got a few barbs, jabs thrown at me about last week's show. Wow. There was not enough lacrosse talk, oh. although I thought last week's show was awesome. Yeah. And we did talk a bit of lacrosse, but apparently not enough. Well, they're not um, going to be fired up after this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, it was, there was a lot of sports, though, I would say. this, But there was lots of sports in last week's. Anyways, um, this is a massive game. It's the one, you know, we talk about the April 1st game being circled on the calendar as a home game that everybody knew was a big game. And now, you know, when the schedule was released, you think about a big game and you, you knew that this game was going to be big. And, and you know, I think there was probably a real thought in a lot of people's minds that it could be the deciding game in the East. You know, when the schedule came out, judging by the way things went down to the wire last year and, and both teams' records, again, being very similar to what they were last year and a chance really for the Rock to equal the best season in franchise history if the team can get a 14th win here on Saturday night. It would clinch the East Conference uh, regular season title clinch home floor advantage through the playoffs. There is a ton on the line Saturday night. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, <laughs> it is. I've only rolled out half of it. But, uh, you know, just your thoughts on this game. And does any of that stuff weigh on your mind ever? All this other, all this other we'll call it noise. Uh, you know, I, I feel like maybe it might throughout the week. But, um, you know, come Friday, come Saturday, the only thing that matters is – where we're at um, in our game and how, um, you know, we are as individuals. We're obviously, it's our last game of the season and we have a bye week the last the last weekend, but, um, you know, we, we want to be playing playoff lacrosse. And I think the the past two games, we've, we've kind of focused on just trying to be at our best and, and play with intensity and desperation. Um, you know, the first game of the playoffs is single elimination. We, we know how those things go last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot on the line, and our job is just to go out there and, and earn our results. So that's, that's our goal. Could I be so bold as to say – the juices will be flowing on Saturday night. 
yeah 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 we're uh, playing in a building where <laughs> if you get wins and you you come out of there with the win it, it is one of the better feelings do you get excited like do, when you actually stop to think about the game right now because i'm kind of doing it myself mm-hmm. there's little things even just as a fan and for working for the team there's little things along the way in the in in the journey on the day i feel like playing in that building and getting ready for that game and little moments like do you ever start dialing some of those in like mentally and being like, you know what, we're going to do this. Like I actually can't wait to get out for warm up, even the first time to run out when the music starts or, you know, I can't wait for that last pregame speech from the coaches before we go. Any of those other things, does any of that stuff start to register as you start to think about the game? I know for me, I, I <laughs> and obviously I'm not playing, <laughs> but for me, I start to think about those little things, the hype factors. Cause I know Maddie gets me on me all the time about overhyping things, but those are the things I start thinking about. Like these are those key benchmarks through the day when you start to get really excited about the game coming up. No, I mean, it's, all right, it's thanks, our, Joe. all right. Well, well this sorry. Been a good chat. I mean, like you said, <laughs> there's a lot on the line um, and we're focused on, finishing the highest we can and ultimately if we win this game that's we've done our done our our I guess first goal of the season um you know just one making playoffs but even better being first in the the league and it's securing that um home floor advantage throughout the playoffs and there's nothing more than this group would rather do than play in front of the fans at first Ontario Centre and um you know we got to be around them a lot after a past game and and um you know, they they just, they love the success and we share that success. And, um, you know, it's not a successful season if you don't win a championship. So that's our goal. And, and you know, we've, we've done a good job up to this point. And, um, you know, obviously Saturday night's going to be a, a heated one. But to go off to your other point of those little things, um, I don't think there's many little things, but I do like running out there when, uh, you know, like when we do it. Um, you know, now presenting blah, blah, blah. Uh, when we run out there, they hate us. And it's yes. very, very well known. You can hear it. And it just it kind of makes you smile. And they're like, let's go. It kind of fires you up a little bit. I, I was literally going to say that moment, like, you know, I've been down there in that tunnel when you guys run out and you feel how hard they are booing. Oh, yeah. In Buffalo. Right. And you can also feel how pumped up that gets you guys oh yeah you know there's just a little more like if you're around the team going out onto the floor in visiting ranks you know in other games there's that you know you guys are fired up to go out but there's a different feeling in a in a couple of buildings i would say and buffalo is definitely one of them and with how much is going to be on the line here on uh on saturday night it's definitely going to be i think one of those feelings it's almost similar like how you would say that roar of the crowd we've talked about this so many times at the end of the anthem in hamilton like that's kind of like a little bit of like i was trying to say like a benchmark thing before the game starts right is that Mm -hmm. last final the big roar of the crowd and to me in buffalo it would definitely be exactly like you're saying the run out and getting booed you know and just standing there the lights are down like i can just yeah. Close my eyes. I see it. I hear it. <laughs> There's actually another thing now that now that I've been thinking about it for a little bit. That's good. It's when let's we score it. and it's like deathly silent. Yeah. And it's oh, just yeah. like let's go. Yeah. Like we quieted the crowd a little bit. Um, but yeah, like kind of jumping around here, which I've done a lot. Um, some of the fans that we saw at Fan Appreciation Night this past week had mentioned that um, 
they'll be making the trip down. So it'll be nice having those friendly faces and the blue and red and the sea of orange and black, I guess. Yeah, I, I think this will be probably one of those games where we look back to where it's going to be a real testament to what has been built over these last couple of years with the whole Rock City mentality and everybody kind of, you know, coming together, banding together here and like Scott Fox said in game. And I don't know who would have written this script, but about invading bandit land (laughs) (laughs) on Saturday night. And then it's only an hour and 15 minutes door to door from rock city and Hamilton to bandit land and Buffalo. And that's not a far drive. The weather's beautiful. It's a nice drive through Niagara region as well to take in yeah give yourself a little extra time well no not today but (laughs) it's not snowing i guess well actually we did get a little snow yesterday up in georgia we got a little snow today yeah but what i'm really trying to say here child is the weather shan't be an an obstacle on uh on saturday to get down there and give yourself a little extra time enjoy things on the way maybe even stop in at lenova in buffalo because they have the greatest wings around but Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is going to be a massive rock contingent. There's a ton of staff going, staff families. Like, everybody is trying to get a piece of our uh, comp ticket allotment <laughs> to get down there. But uh, it, it's going to be pretty pretty awesome Saturday night. and. And really, it is just the appetizer for what's to come here in the postseason in May. And, you know, it's going to be a wild ride here, I think. Yeah, game-by-game mentality. That's right. You're supposed to say that. I'm going to say it's going to be a wild ride throughout (laughs) May. All right. uh, Anything else we want to touch on, Chow, before I throw in a few ticket plugs here to wrap things up? No, plug away. All right. Well, the playoff pack is on sale. TorontoRock.com slash playoff pack if you want to lock in your seeds to every single possible Toronto Rock home playoff game throughout the month of May. And you only pay as we play. So you are just going to be billed as each playoff game becomes clinched or necessary. So you can check out torontorock.com slash playoff pack for all that pricing. Or if you just want to grab single game tickets, those are available at torontorock.com and ticketmaster.ca right now. NLL quarterfinals against an opponent yet to be determined. Friday, May the 5th, 7.30 at First Ontario Centre. You will see Captain Challen Rogers and his teammates take on an Eastern Conference opponent yet to be determined, as I mentioned, on, on that date on Friday, May the 5th. So last, sorry, before we totally wrap this up, any new viewing in the last week? Or are we shelving this whole thing until um, a I watched, episode? I watched the uh, the Boston Marathon. Yeah, I up. haven't got into that yet. Yeah. I crushed that. Um, seen Patriots Day before, so I kind of knew the yeah. backstory of it. Um, I was also, I think, at school while it was going on. So, um, I mean, tragic, tragic time, but a very resilient city and. Um, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sorry to end the show like that, but that's really all I watched. Yeah, and I mean, it's obviously, um, you know, at the same time, you know, people come together in, in tragic times, and it's, um, 
it's obviously tough, but you know, you see some highlights of the Boston Marathon from this year's Zdeno Chara. Yeah. Like, you know, there's something where, you know, there's a iconic, you know, sports figure in the Boston community and coming back to do that and just showing, you know, I think the strength of that city and, and what's brought them together as people and whatnot is, uh, something special that's come out of, uh, obviously something very tragic. So, um, yeah, definitely check that out on Netflix. I plan on checking it out too. And, uh, and and watching that so um anything else coming up on the viewing palette uh you know night agent i think's on the to watch list but i just haven't done it yet so hey when i do you will know okay <laughs> one day season 24 of the podcast well then i could just binge it yeah and speaking of binging, don't forget, you can watch Rock City Unplugged episode one through five on the Toronto Rock YouTube channel, but also streaming on TSM Plus. It's on TSM Plus? Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I haven't seen the fifth one. You haven't watched the most recent? Okay. No. Yeah, it's been and out usually, for... usually I'm on top of those things. Yeah. All right. Well. I just missed it. It's good. It's another great episode. Ward one. They, they know how to make a documentary they do and i'm really excited to see um you know i guess it's twofold here excited to see how this game saturday is going to unfold and how it will tie into the uh basically the april episode of the show there's going to be the april 1st bandits game some bye week action the philly game and then this buffalo game all wrapped into one and they're going to be on the road uh, again on Saturday in Buffalo, capturing uh, everything from the game. So let's go. Hopefully they get that moment of you yeah. guys getting booed coming out of the tunnel to start the <laughs> game. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there, Chell. Giddy. Okay. That was a long one. In the meantime and in between time, for the co-hosts, Chell and Rogers, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it. That's all. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with, and we will... See you in Banditland Saturday and chat next week.